0: I see that naked unicorn over
1: there. Ow, I'm so naked.
0: Tank fly, boss walk, jam, nitty gritty. You're listening to the boy from the big bad city and this is jam hot.
1: Welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast, hosted by Jason Soroten. All right, welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast. Today we are speaking with Rick Wrights, who is the SAG After Atlanta president, one of only twenty-five nationally. And I'm here with Scott Patterson, ECG Productions Entertainment Attorney, and he's with the PattersonFirm.com. Um, so let's chat, Rick, about SAG.
2: All right. What is SAG? SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. It's been in existence now for nearly eighty years. Um, obviously covering most aspects, all aspects of film and some aspects of television that were historically shot on film, but as we know, the evolution of film and digital media has sort of changed that equation. Um, AFTRA, the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, has been in existence longer. Uh, It began, you know, radio and television, certainly radio began before film really took over the United States, and um, they sort of watched everything in video land and in radio land. They merged 18 months ago, and we are now one union called SAG-EFTRA.
1: So SAG, I get questions a lot from people. They write me or be like, you know, I want to do a SAG project. How does it work? What do we do? So let's start real simple. Mm -hmm. Why would someone need to use SAG?
2: for access to first celebrities if you need celebrities anybody that hopes to get their product distributed in any kind of national or international way needs some name recognition at least from the director the producer or at least, or the performers so if you, in the sag sense and as of july 1 of this past summer all contracts now that a new contract was ratified all contracts for all intents and purposes will be referred to as sag aftra there are sag legacy contracts that predated that time. There are AFTRA legacy contracts that predated that time. Everything from July 1 forward now will be SAG AFTRA.
1: Now you're a SAG actor, SAG AFTRA actor.
2: Correct. <laughs> well, I was a member of both individually and now with I pay one set of dues. Gotcha. Gotcha. Instead of two.
1: And, and so for, from a, an actor standpoint, what is the advantage of being in a union?
2: Union allows me as an actor to have uh, lots of protections for wages and working conditions. Yeah. And um, if you're gonna make this a lifelong pursuit, and I have, I've been in the business 36 years as an actor, and the only way to survive on that long haul is to be associated with the union. Number one, it, it entitles me to be able to earn insurance. Uh, sets me up for a pension, it's like having a military career. I Believe it or not, I have pensions in both SAG and AFTRA in their legacy portions. And both of them at 30 plus years each. And if I were an individual that was not savvy enough to watch my retirement accounts, my investments, wanting to know about health insurance and the like, is these guys protect it for me. And so I can add to that if I choose to, or I get minimum contributions every time I work. So for somebody who wants a lifelong goal, it really is the only way to play. And the premium payments for performance come under union contracts.
1: You know what's interesting is as an empathetic human being I love SAG. As a director I like SAG because I want to work with great actors and great talent. As a producer I hate SAG. <laughs> and I and that's kind of why I really wanted to talk to you today. I want to figure out, you know, it what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Why do I have these feelings? what's in the future for me? Am I gonna be able to have a better relationship with SAG than I have previously had?
2: Sure. And have, so
1: that's have, that's what I wanna figure out today.
2: Well, you know, there's no wrong decision. You're not doing anything wrong. There are a million ways to achieve one's goals. For every individual, there's another way to achieve a goal. And your path is simply your path. And whether it involves the union or not, and you happen to be in a right to work state, which permits union and non-union to work side by side, and um, one doesn't even have to be a member of the union to be hired in a union capacity here, whereas a union person cannot work in a non-union capacity, but you know that's another long story and another long rainy day. Um, the advantages for you are multifold. As I started to say, as a person who wants to attract high-end talent, I'll say this much, and I'll say this in defense of all actors, to be a professional actor is simply to be paid for your craft. Doesn't mean you're union or non-union now there are people who work towards the professional ideal presumably at a higher level and they tend to associate with the craft unions and so chances are you will find many more professionals top professionals in a union basis that is not to say you will not find good professionals in a non-union scenario and certainly as time progresses people who are simply exposed To work and get experience they grow in their ability and their craft and they become valuable in another way but when you want to make a a motion picture and i know that you're busy trying to turn out your own product now is you're going to need stars without stars you're not going to get distribution and all the stars with the exception of some reality people who sort of pop in and pop off the map real quickly um you know like the real house well if they want to be on the talk show circuit right right they have to be Um, actually we had one of the real housewives of Atlanta. He did Um, air quotes
1: around real. That's right.
2: (laughs) Well, here's the young lady that appears on this show and, um, she needed to do the talk show circuit to publicize what she did and to be on TV in union clad States, union secure States like New York, California and Illinois. Um, she has to be a member and she'd let her membership fall into arrears because you know, she was a reality star. She was a big deal. She was playing by her own set of rules. And you know what? You're allowed to in this world. You're allowed to in this state. But if you leave this state and in any kind of acting capacity and go into the, uh, what is now, you know, half the states, half the states are still union secure. To work in any of the states, you got to be a, a member. So why limit your opportunity to work just because you live in a right to work state and you go, I'm not going to join. I'm going to do the best of both worlds. I want to work everywhere. Everywhere in the world.
1: You know what's interesting is people always say right to work, right? It's Georgia's right to work state. I don't think people really understand what that means. Can you explain what a right to work state is?
2: Yeah. Uh, 1947, the federal government set aside a rule base allowing states to opt in or opt out of a scenario that required people to either join a union or not. Historically, in, in the Northeastern corridor, the Rust Belt, and other historical states, Um, the unions became pretty tough in their existence and, um, sometimes things evolved into violence, not to say that management didn't do the same thing, you know, to suppress the unions. So it was a contentious history. And, um, because of that history, other states that were evolving industry didn't want to be beholden to a single set of rules. And so the federal government allowed an act to be called right to work. Georgia was one of the first states to sign on to that law. As most of the southern states were if you could look at a populated map you'd see the concentration is highest in um, the south the southwest and lower Midwest is where the right-to-work areas have popped up but right now it's, there are 24 right-to-work states out of 50 so you get the idea of the That's, landscape
1: and so it just means that you you can work on any job
2: you you cannot be prohibited from working a job that, while it is union, you can work the job and not have to join. Gotcha. And you have to be paid comparable wages and given comparable benefits.
1: So as SAG has evolved and as filmmaking has evolved, you know, it's cheaper to make films. I'd right? say
2: that filmmaking has devolved.
1: <laughs> you think it's devolved?
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the economy of filmmaking has changed. Yes, and I actually use this speech a lot and when I talk to my colleagues in California, is what made us think in this industry that a world economy would not apply to entertainment? The world economy and technology changed everything. The internet changed everything. And so the cost basis for delivering product to the public, your opportunity to make profit and larger margins has shrunk to the extent that the whole economy had to be reshaped. And that's where I feel you're finding yourself trapped between a rock and a hard place right now is you're evolving into the entertainment sphere, but you have a reduced economy with which to do it. And if you sell the product, you can't sell something for less than you made it, or it's not an economic model that works for very long for you. So you have to deliver product now into this restricted zone. So you have to find alternative ways to finance your situation or to reduce your overall costs. And that's where you are right now.
1: You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we've made, I think we've made seven features now. And I think five of them have gotten distribution. Several of them have been what we would consider very successful, mm-hmm. you know, being number eight on They iTunes. broke even. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But we as points owners have never seen a dime from it. Right. Right? Which is... That, I mean, that's why we haven't been making so many movies and we kind of turned to doing other things um, that we were able to do.
2: Well, what everybody doesn't understand in distribution, there's the cost, the continuing cost of distribution. And then you find out that a thousand people have their hands in your pocket. Like all businesses, you're successful. I want a piece of that. Let me introduce you to so-and-so, but I get a piece, right? And I get another piece, right? Which creates all kinds of legal wonders yes. for you Scott. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You
0: you got
1: to make them cheap now. You've got to figure out the lowest way and you've got to come up with realistic goals for your investors. If you're making something for 500,000, you have to know that I want to straight away sell this for 2 million at a film festival and here's why we can sell it. We have this name attached. We're doing this subject matter. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a lot of successes in the documentary space and in the family space, mm-hmm. which I think is so different from like the what the general public watches at the movie theater because those are all big names, but you can still make successful pieces of work that don't have big names,
2: Well, yeah, but
1: you're not going to reach that level of commercial success.
2: Well, see, but you're, you're parsing mass audience versus niched audiences. And the, and the great thing about the internet is it's evolved this entire niche marketplace where the benefits may not be as great. The costs don't have to be as high. The risk doesn't have to be as great, and so you're you're constantly weighing one against the other. Do you want emotional success, financial success, or personal pride? You know, you got to ask yourself: Am I in business to make money? Am I in business to go, at a boy, you know, look at the mirror and go, I'm really talented <laughs> and I'm a gifted guy, and everybody and everybody knows it? Um, you know, you want to make a lacrosse movie? You can sell that to lacrosse people. You want to make a wrestling movie? They're Wrestling people, or gymnasts, or swimmers, and right. you know people who love horses. There was a religious picture here, a religious material called the Sunday Horse, based on a book that they shot here. They shot it for three million bucks. Three Which, million bucks. Well, with people stars. Are
1: listening, going three million dollars. I just made my last feature for thirty. Right. Three million sounds like a lot. I mean, you can. But you they can...
2: populated it with right. stars. Right. And, exactly. And and because they have a history and distribution or know people or engaged a company that sells it. They had done their uh, planning in advance, just like any Harvard graduate or Ivy League graduate would do. What's the business plan? I'm going to spend three million. We're going to make eight, and you and I go. That would be great for them. Not so good. Right. The big boys don't like to make just five million bucks. Right. But then, then again, do they really make five million bucks? The conventional structure of cost of production of an independent feature to profitability. They usually use two to one or three to one. And here's the example. Make a movie for $5 million, it had better grace, um, gross $15 million before it breaks even. So back-end points for you is a scenario that it has to go through this exponential increase of hands and, and numbers before it ever comes back.
1: Back-end points are bullshit. Yeah, they're, well, they're total,
2: they're total horseshit unless you have a runaway yeah. horse.
1: Right, the producer who makes the film or who put up the money is the only one who's going to probably make money.
2: Well, and the goal is to make back the money for the investors. The, right. peop, the distributors make money up front. They know the chain, they know their costs backwards. And the thing is this, a successful movie, you have to keep investing in the publicity to keep it rolling. And here's what's interesting about distribution distributors in many cases have partnerships with the exhibitors Yeah, have partnerships with the promoters have partnerships with the advertisers They keep on buying space time and services from themselves Yeah, and this is where tricky Hollywood bookkeeping comes into play was or a government's buying hammers I have a beautiful hammer from Sears for 15 bucks, but I'll sell it to you for 300 and you go You're selling it to me? Yes, but I own the hammer. That's right. Do you want to pay $300 for your own hammer? then you don't have to share the profit points. With right. I'll buy that
1: $300. And what Rick is talking about is a lot of times when they're doing these big budget movies, they have internal advertising departments and they just fork over all of this cash to their internal advertising departments, which makes it so that the film never actually makes a profit. Right. It breaks even or it loses money, which but is they had revenue, better. But they had revenue. Right.
2: But they did not have profitable revenue exactly but everybody got a raise this year because they had you know there's grosses and nets and there's nets of nets and
1: and i know that that this was a little bit of a tangent that was off topic so we'll we'll pop back but it's so fascinating this whole you know how you make money on movies but let's get back to um sag so if i want to make a sag production right let's say i want to use you who are a SAG actor who I've wanted to use, and we've worked together a couple times. What steps do I need to take as a independent producer to get a SAG um, talent, SAG after talent involved? All
2: right, let's talk about different categories. Let's talk about film and TV first as a category versus corporate industrial, versus voiceover or commercial. Okay, if we're talking film and television, and you want to ha- and you have a budget that is large enough or padded in the right way so that you can uh, include union participation in all its fringes is you would go to the sag film office here in georgia if you happen to be in georgia i don't know where your listenership is entirely but you go to this office here and you go in this room all right, it's in this room. It, does, it doesn't leave the parking lot. Exactly. Which is a shame, really, for you. Um, He's working on it. So you go to Melissa Goodman here at the Georgia sag After office, and you go, I want to become a, this, this film, this LLC. You're going to create, first of all, I would recommend you set up a, a private entity for every production. There are liability reasons for all of that. And Scott would be the first to chime in about that and feel free. Um, so you set up an LLC, and you say, I want this LLC to become a signatory. That doesn't mean your normal company as a signatory just the llc right and so you go you sign on to that now you're getting into films there is a bond that'll be required which is a projection of potential wages for the film that's deposited first and then those funds are used to pay down
1: it's deposited in what's called an escrow account
2: that's correct and then it's then it's used to to pay off the uh, individual rates and salaries of those who participate so, you know, they'll do a background check. It's a new company. As long as you sign it and you put up the bond, you're home free. Off you go to the races and you go by the attendance scales that apply to your film or TV category. And let's use film, historical SAG product. There's there, there are breaks in salaries that are committed for you, the producer. Now you're wearing your producer hat. Yeah. <laughs> the part that didn't like it but you're going to love it is because not all films are equal. Budgets have uh, $2.5 million and above are what we would call regular budget. Let's call them regular high-budget movies. From $600,000 to $2.5 million is what we call the low-budget category. Pretty wide sw- swath there. But what's the difference? Instead of paying $895 a day for an actor, now you're paying $500 a day for an actor. by Just by the category difference, same amount of work, but it's a budget category. Well, let's
1: talk about let's dive into that a little se- for a second. And there is one lower, which is the sag ultra low,
2: right? Right. Right. There's the sag ultra low, which is $200,000 or it's $200,000 and below. And then there's one from 200,000 to 600,000.
1: And and the 200 to 600,000, which is the lowest, allows you to have sag. No, the lowest is
2: 200,000 or below. 200,000
1: or below. And that one allows you to pay sag actors Hundred dollars a day, mm-hmm. and then have non-sack. Hundred dollars
2: for eight hours. For eight hours, they're, right? <laughs> they're still over. They're still overtime. Unfortunately. And, well, no, see, <laughs> but yeah, but you say that, but stop and think about it. If somebody's trying to make a living, and you've, you say I'm going to give you hundred dollars, and eight hours becomes fourteen or sixteen hours, which is not unusual in this business. Oh yeah. Is they have to eat and live too?
1: Yeah, I, I think the challenge is is when you're making. You know, we've made movies for sixty thousand, mm-hmm. right? When you're making a movie for that low, nobody's making money, right? right. And so there's nobody pr- to protect any of us, right?
2: Well, but I'll, but i but I'll give you an example of of somebody who has abused the category. There's I won't use their names. No, please use or, their name or their production and title. their production title. <laughs> there's an independent company uh, that came into the state of Georgia and um, came to me similarly as you you're talking to me now and said, what should, what should we do?" we want to do it under $600,000 but we want to qualify at 500,000. I said I recommend you budget from 550 to 6. Do not take it a penny over $600,000 because it kicks in a different category. Modified low budget is the $200,000 to $600,000 category and that's 256 a day. So you go for 8 hours. For 8 hours. <laughs> for 8 hours, you which know, is rare on a on a movie set. Well, you're not going to get 8 hours, but you might bring in a day player who only works for 4-6. Right. Yeah. You know, but the stars, these people came in, and they had four lead roles. You know, as a modestly conceived movie, action thriller. And um, essentially, they said, we need some stars to get some distribution. And uh, because they'd found a distributor that was in the digital space, not conventional distribution space, but, you know, internet release, they became what is known as a new media project. Now, new media is a different category altogether instead of traditional film television. Uh, new media, with the newly negotiated contract, at $1.2 million or above, it has a fixed table of fees, but under $1.2 million, there is no fixed table. It is negotiate as you will negotiate. So if you have distribution in new media, even though you had a million-dollar budget, you could still get away with paying $100 dollars for an individual, if that's what you chose to pay or negotiated.
1: Now, are we considering Netflix new media?
2: Netflix is considered new media, but, they're, but they are kindly working on the broadcast um, model for scales. But they fall in that over $1.2 million category anyway. But prior to then, um, House of Cards, for instance, or Orange is the New Black, we're abiding by the rules, but they could have gone another direction, but they chose not to. They said, no, we'll pay the normal scale had we done it per normal contract, but we're distributing it here. Now, a lot of the new people, like these folks from out of town, they came in and did this budget. They were gonna pay $50,000 for one week for a star. They had six members, $600,000 budget. They were gonna pay $15,000 a week for three weeks of work for the next level star ten thousand a week for the next two stars for three weeks so this is going to be like gross of thirty thousand forty five thousand right. fifty thousand for their four stars everybody else they paid a dollars a day too flat well not flat but they had to pay the overtime oh they did because, and
1: wardrobe a lot of people don't understand that you're paying wardrobe well and if you're
2: asking if you're asking them to bring their own right. wardrobe you have to give them fifteen dollars
1: right and then what about pension and health
2: a uh, pension and health is added on top of that too but you got access to the stars. And then you got most of your cast. Well, I don't like that scenario. Yeah. I was actually asked to be the fourth star. Right. And when they found out I was from Georgia, they, they asked me, instead of taking 10000 a week, to take $100 a week. And I went, no, thank you. And they went, but I said, I read the script. This is one of the stars. I saw what you published in LA. You published 10000 a week. I want 10000 a week. Yeah. Well, we have you live here, so we'll give you $100. And they went... Pretty much shove it up your ass.
1: <laughs> well, Rick, that sounds totally fair. A it week's does. worth of work for, $100? for a hundred dollars.
2: For a hundred dollars a day. But they were a hundred dollars a day. hundred dollars a day. But they were going to promise 500 me a week. Whole dollars. Five hundred dollars for the week.
1: Holy cow! So where I said, would you spend it?
2: I don't know. <laughs> Not many places. McDonald's perhaps. But um, but that's somebody who has taken advantage of the new media structure, and I kind of argued at the national level that they should have created a they should have created a max. A, matching structure for productions that matches the SAG film code of ultra low, modified low, low. So in the $600,000 range, at least pay me $256 a day. At least come to that scale. Right. They would not.
1: Cheap. Cheap Cheapos. But. Sure you don't they want wanted to me to, what they wanted now oh, would be they the wanted time.
2: me to invest in their dream and they said we'll give you points which brings me back to your oh, phrase which is I just threw up you just won't there are no points There's for you no there're no points for you
1: don't take points anybody who offers you points in anything say no
2: Is, is there only- a way to
0: negotiate on the front end as to how points are defined or yeah. how to, well, I mean, do you have leverage well, be, in those situations it, Well, it becomes or not? a
2: definition of net or gross product, right. and, and we've run profit. into that well, in the, before.
1: Yeah, but first of all, uh, if if you're talking about, you don't get access to all the information, so you've got to count on that person to give you that they're going to the be truthful. Sale, that they're going to be truthful, and then how much am I going to have to pay you at your your whopping? crazy fees to go and go after these people and it becomes not worth it. You end up just throwing money down a black hole. Okay. Let's, let's go back for a second. Let's go back and let's talk about sad costs. Okay. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about sad costs. Okay. Right. So I have my day rate,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And then I have pension and health,
2: pension and health. Mm
1: -hmm. And then I have, if I'm paying somebody to bring wardrobe,
2: well, the, the wardrobe is like fifteen dollars for, and what it's a fee for, is for cleaning. Let, if you yeah. go to a dry cleaner and you got a suit.
1: Let me give you an idea of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to let independent producers who keep asking me these questions. Okay, the, here's stop the stop asking uh,
2: me. Well, here's the model. Okay, let's let's keep it simple. Low budget starts at a hundred dollars for eight hours.
1: Okay, what happens after plus, eight hours?
2: P- plus. And actually, they'll always ask for plus 10, so the agent gets 10, bucks, so it's really $110. Okay. And then you're going to get pension and health placed on top of that. How much percentage is that? I would use as your model $30.
1: Okay. What percentage? So that's about 30%?
2: About 33%. 33%. 32. You know, use 33% as your model. So if you've added that to the plus now, 10. Has so now, has that you're at...
1: gone up because of Obamacare?
2: No. Okay. Good. No, point. it has not. All right, good. No, that's another issue altogether. We'll discuss that in and yet our third podcast. Uh, so you know, so so basically, you're buying an actor for eight hours for about 140, 145 bucks.
1: And then what happens as soon as I go to eight hours? And uh, five eight to minutes? ten hours
2: becomes uh, time and a half.
1: So for people who don't understand time and a half, that's time. That's 100. dollars
2: it's per hour, so that hundred dollars is broken down into an hourly figure. Right. So divide hundred by eight. Right. And then you come up with what your scale is. Right. Per hour. So then it's for each out for those next two hours.
1: So let's say it's twelve dollars an hour normally. It would be plus six, so it'd be eighteen dollars an hour.
2: That would be an example, and, and that's for, that's that's for ten. To, that's for eight to ten hours. Then from ten to twelve, it becomes double time.
1: So if I'm paying $110 a day, it becomes $220 a day. That's correct. Right? Now, what happens if I...
2: Well, that would be, it's an hourly cost. It doesn't actually double your day rate. It just doubles the The, hourly cost for the applicable hours. But if
1: we went 16 hours is what I was say.
2: Right. I would say conventionally, for most independent films, you're going to be plus or minus 12 hours a day. That's Mm -hmm. normal. Most budgets are configured to a 12-hour day, knowing that many of your players will not be working 12 hours, yeah. and that others will be working 14 hours. You yeah. start to get to 16 hours, you're killing people.
1: Oh yeah, I mean I've done it. Well, I, I know, and,
2: and you know, and I call those, and those usually happen on fridays. Yeah. which is your production, which has been pushed to Friday, and you know that you've got to take off till Monday. Yeah. So you start Friday afternoon, and you end at dawn on Saturday morning. And so we call that Friday. <laughs>
1: yeah. And then, so on top of all that, Rick, then we have, if I go into what's called a meal penalty. What is a meal penalty?
2: A meal penalty, if if you're on location, you have up to six hours from the commencement of the, of the crew call. Crew calls at 8 a.m., you have to feed everybody by 2 p.m. Gotcha. If you go over 2 p.m. and have not fed the people and given them at least a 30-minute break, you are charged for every few minutes that you go over into their break. How much? That table I don't have off the top of my head. So
1: let me tell you about a situation. You tell me who was right and who was wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm on set. Um, So we we call grace. If we know we're going to be close to our last... Going into our meal, and I know I need 15 more minutes, and I know that I have the camera set according to union rules. I'm not allowed to move the camera. Is that correct?
2: No, you can move the camera.
1: Okay, I was told on one feature that we had. That it,
2: no, it's it's it, you can do whatever you want to do. You just know that there's a cost associated with every time you. <laughs> okay. The longer <laughs> you go, is <laughs> right, okay. you're going to get penalized that way. The union doesn't so, have to do anything. So
1: he, so I called Grace. I had 15 minutes, and then my <laughs> lead actress. Who I know was trying to force me into a meal penalty mm-hmm. because she'd been doing that She was like I have to go to the bathroom. I need makeup. Mm-hmm. I need that
2: Yeah, well then there are actors like that and those are people I don't like right. I mean to be honest with you even in the union I don't like those people they are people who are gonna try to nickel and dime you to death Because they haven't worked this year and they're right. trying here's the magic formula You want to know what the magic formula Please. at the end of the day is for stars? Yes for them to qualify annually for insurance Individually, they're trying to make fifteen thousand dollars a year. That's all it takes for an actor to qualify for insurance. Fifteen thousand dollars a year to qualify for your family. Thirty thousand dollars a year, and there are people. If you want a star, and you know that you're near their end of the year and they haven't done a film this year, offer them thirty thousand bucks. They'll do it, even if their rate's a hundred thousand or fifty thousand. You go, I need you here for a week for for thirty thousand bucks. I I will do that. Right. Because they have to make insurance.
1: And does that pay for their insurance? So they have no other insurance payments?
2: Oh, they end up contributing on a okay. quarterly basis like real people. Right, but right. But the thing is... is like real quali- people. Like real people, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to qualify, you know, we don't by being in the union, you don't automatically get insurance. Right. I have to work a certain volume because you have to pay into the system right. enough. And actually, I don't pay. The producer pays. That's what the PW payment right. is on top. And it comes out of this huge giant kitty of all the actors, 170,000 of them nationally that are in the union. And most of the people don't use the stuff. Most of the people don't qualify. Right. So, so, so you've got a contribution every time somebody works, and only 20% of the people actually qualify, or 10%. It's sad for actors. It's not easy. It's not. It's not an easy life. But this is why I get into the whole fee thing for you. If you want to make a living doing this, and you want quality actors available to you, $100 a day is chump change. It saves your ass in the long run from a producer's standpoint because I got to get the shot and I can't afford more I like to go in the situation where there's not a lot of money I would have done that movie with those people and not for ten thousand dollars if everybody was making a hundred dollars Right literally if everybody in it it was favored nations Nobody on this set cast or crew is making more than a hundred bucks I will do that picture for you because we're in it together
1: Right, and favored nations means that everybody makes the same.
2: Everybody makes the same, and so you know, to me, there's a way to negotiate and work it in a new media thing. I can take that. I could legitimately take that. I won't necessarily because of where I am in my career, but under the right circumstances. I mean, I've worked for you before, yeah, and we worked for a hundred bucks, right, yeah, and we had no problem at all. But we knew nobody was making any money. Right, we liked the project and we liked each other, right, and we did it. And you can get good actors. Stars will do. You know, why does Halle Berry star in these? Because she wants to win an Oscar, and she's not going to get a role that is demanding of her unless she plays down. Right. Hillary Swank and all these people ended up doing movies and made no money because they they knew they didn't have to be pretty.
1: Well, Jonah Hill took scale on uh, Scorsese's last movie. That's right. That's he right. Made sixty grand for the whole movie. Right. Because he cared about the. We wanted to work with Scorsese.
2: That's right. And so and he can do that. He made the minimum. He took the minimum, and that's okay. And you're going to find situations like that all day long. But anyway, getting back to your project and, and, and projecting costs for you and meal penalties, there are people who are going to try to screw you to the wall. I hate those people. I don't even want them in the union. Um, you know what? I will tell you, I'll tell you very frankly, and I don't care if the union is listening, if I'm into a situation and I know we're about to wrap the shot and it's and if we break it down, we know the energy's gone and matching and everything starts to go away and we happen to float 10, 15 minutes, don't even put it down. You know, lunch started at 2. It didn't start at 2.15 as far as I'm concerned. As long as everybody is fine with that, we're good.
1: Because you're all a team. Yeah. And it's all about, see... But, but if I, it
2: becomes a half hour and it becomes yeah. regular and it's an hour and suddenly you're not being fed at all... The penalties are put in place just to make sure you take care of people, and remember, these rules all developed after years of abuse in Hollywood, where literally you were drugging people, keeping them up, letting them sleep for four hours. Why do you have a 12-hour turnaround from the time you wrap a star to the next time they can be on a set? It's because historically they didn't let them sleep, so they drugged them. Judy Garland became a drug addict because they drugged her. Gave her drugs to go to sleep, drugs to wake up, she would get four hours a night and had all the pressure of carrying the picture. And right. so and so that's how the rules evolve, you know, it's like that evil union Well, remember there were evil producers once upon a time. What? Yes, and once upon a time and they still exist You missed your calling Jason <laughs> And I can tell you from a tax credit it's exchange if, if you listen to our other blog and yeah. know we're talking about tax credits Our history of negotiating with producers on a large scale in Hollywood is if you give them 30% tax credit They want 31 you give them 31 they want 32 you want they want 32 then they want your house the, you know, the note to your car and something they want something they love going back with their cigar and the drink at the end of the day and going what'd you get them for oh, i right beat right. i beat them down suckers loser suckers i got them <laughs> it
1: doesn't sound like me at all
2: no <laughs> not yet not yet anyway but i mean remember the, the whole structure of the union had to had to be enacted <laughs> because people abuse the system and if you want good people to be around even local people to be you know, <clears throat> excuse me that are good is you got to pay them to stay around if I'm not paid enough money to live in Georgia and act as an actor, I got to go.
1: Right, yeah.
2: And if there are 100 of us who are like that, that are at the top of the class and have to leave, you don't have any actors. Yeah. You got kids.
1: So we were we were talking about we had the $100 a day plus $10, 33% for pension and health, um, time and a half over eight, and then um, over ten. It's double time.
2: It's double time from 10 to 12. Right. And then we, what's called golden is anything over 12.
1: And then what happens then? Triple. Triple time over 12.
2: It's called golden. And if you're on a major... Listen, I did tradition. a... I had a weekly salary. I did From the Earth to the Moon for HBO. And everyone was on Favored Nations. Everybody took the same rate, even the stars. It was a fabulous project because it's Tom Hanks and Absolutely. it's Ron Howard great and it's series. oh it was, it was unbelievable. The Cannon's casted that. Yeah, and the and the uh, and the catering was the best because they knew they weren't paying us. Right, lobster steak. I mean, it was a layout every day. It was all you could do to get in your costume the next <laughs> week because you're like going, "Wow, I put on weight." Why? Wow, craft services is great. <laughs> right. Did you see what
1: they got. Kind I prefer of prefer peanut butter and jelly and Laffy Taffy.
2: Right, but I was <laughs> but but we got to one of those Fridays where I was called in at noon and I didn't go home until eight in the morning the next day. By the time you added up the overtime and the meal penalties and everything else they had, I made more for that day than I made in the week. Yeah. And you just go, oh, but they kicked my ass. I had to sleep all day Saturday, right. recover on Sunday, and go back to work on Monday morning. And you're like, oh my God, I can't, right. this is hard stuff. Yeah. And you want us to look fresh. You know, you put me on a set for 12 hours. How many, uh, how many hours do I really work that day
1: maybe four or five
2: maybe 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 so my job as an actor is to maintain my energy and conserve it so that you get bursts that match right from the scene that was started 12 hours ago is oh look he doesn't have crow's feet and bags under his eyes and and he's burned out you know i don't eat chicken and things of that nature because of the tryptophan You eat that at lunch, you're not performing two hours afterwards, you're sleeping. Or you want to sleep, and that's the performance you get. It's the sleepy one. Uh, There are all kinds of tricks to surviving, eating protein versus carbohydrates for an actor, and hydrating, but not too much. I did an overnight shoot where it was so hot and I was drinking so much water, I looked like a stuck pig by the next morning. (laughs) Because I'd taken on so much water weight. And I went, oh my God, I didn't think of that. So, you know, it gets a little nutty. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I like it. So if so if I'm have one SAG actor, I have to pay everybody.
2: If the you're a, if you're a, currently if you're under any SAG contract, then everybody on that production, union or not, that performs is under the SAG except rate,
1: except on the SAG ultra low.
2: Except for on the SAG ultra low is correct. There it doesn't have to be commensurate wages.
1: So and this has happened to me several times with you, Rick, and um, we were talking before the show started. But I've asked Rick to be in several um, industrial or corporate videos, and
2: some of them with my clothes on.
1: Right, right, most of them. <laughs> and I asked, I, I had asked Rick, and and he had informed me that, you know, I would have to pay everybody else the SAG um, minimum for the day, and I couldn't do it. I know, and it it made me upset because in my head, when I wrote the script, I was like, oh, Rick would be perfect for this. Rick, what is the union doing about this ever evolving where my corporate clients are saying you cannot have union people because it's going to cost us too much?
2: Okay. Once again, let's parse it. Um, For SAG ultra low budgets, that's for movies. Right. Where you can get away for the $100 and you can have mixed union and non-union and not have to pay the non-union people the same wage. For instance, you could pay me $100, excuse me, $100. You could pay them $50. Yeah. Now we are trying to develop a waiver particular to Georgia.
1: Well, one second before you go there, how much is it typically to pay you to be in a corporate or industrial um, production?
2: Well, it depends on what it's for and where it places. I would if I were going as a union scale plus 10 as a spokesman, uh, that would put me in the neighborhood of 700, $750 a day.
1: And that's for eight hours.
2: That's for eight hours. Okay. I normally don't work at that rate. I actually work at fifteen hundred dollars a day. Okay. But that's thirty-six years of experience. Right. Talking. And so I if, and I guarantee you, getting on off the set with a union spokes guy like me, is what might take others eight hours. I'll do in four.
1: Right. Exactly. There's there's so much value in having good talent. So if I'm paying if the, if I'm paying you fifteen hundred and the scale for everybody else is seven
2: fifty. Right. Well, that's for spokesmen. If it's right. a day player, they're down to 500.
1: Okay, so now I have to pay everybody, even if they have one line mm-hmm. or if they have that's one the current, word.
2: That's the current That's the, the current, current way, mm-hmm.
1: right? Which makes it almost impossible for me to hire SAG talent for industrials or corporate videos. Well,
2: it doesn't make it impossible, but de- prob- probably with the budget that you've been given, if you've been given 20,000, 15,000, 30,000, whatever it is, but it's uh, a project of large scale and scope.
1: But, Rick, I got news for you. <clears throat> We're working with Fortune five hundred Fortune five hundred companies that are those are the budgets that they're operating in.
2: I know it's crazy, and th- that didn't used to but be. But they're the way. doing
1: a lot more video, right? right? Where they used to do one video a year or two videos a year, now they're doing thirty. Right. But the the it's the same amount of work to get those videos done, but they're doing more of them, so they expect you to work for cheaper, sure. right? And so that's what we expect out of the actors. If we're giving up some, shouldn't you guys? Right.
2: Well, and the thing is, in the corporate world. Um, I'm trying to motivate, and I'm the president of SAG-AFTRA Local, uh, and we've gotten permission from our board already, and our membership has approved us moving forward. We're now at the national level. We are hoping to obtain a waiver within the next couple of weeks, and we've been working on this for years to try to break them down, is to allow in the corporate industrial sphere, even educational sphere, that you could set up a scenario like the new media ultra-low budget thing, where you could hire a couple of union actors, and all the rest could be non-union and paid differently. In other words, the scales would not apply to any of the non-union hire. Um, And we started to think about it like a star system. You have leads, you have supporting leads, and you have five and under actors, you know, like soap operas. And so we are advising... SAG National in their negotiations for corporate industrial contracts next spring to develop a tiered schedule, so at least not everyone has to be paid $500, even though they have a sentence. But you know, you pay $750 for your lead, $500 for your supporting lead, $250 or $100 for everybody, you know, whatever it happens to be, and it's tiered. That ought to help. Further, we are asking for a waiver in this sphere that would entitle you to just hire two people and nobody else has to have a scale at all. If you got a cast of 10 and you hire a couple of union people to be your leads, quote unquote, um, no one else has to be that way.
1: That would encourage me more. Now, the question is, because I haven't done a corporate um, sag after a union shoot, would I still have to do all of the paperwork? Like the Schedule Gs and stuff like that, do those still have to happen?
2: Yes. Well, but the thing is, is these can come in abbreviated packages, which we're recommending and so that you don't have to do anything with the exception of sign an OPO a one production only agreement. And that means you'll abide to the terms and conditions of hire for those union people that it applies to for this single production. And, and basically it's a one page timesheet. I fill out the timesheet on the page, a schedule G doesn't have to be like a movie. Right, Where you say, you know, they sign in here are my lunch breaks and this and that. We actually have industrial contracts that are separate from movie TV contracts. They're very simplified. It's one page. You That's sign, great. The so money
1: still have to go into escrow?
2: No, money does not have to go into escrow That's for any nice. kind of corporate hire. It goes into movies because those are, are protracted shoots. Right. You know, when you're going for many weeks and, you know, if you start to run up a pretty big bill and you don't pay it, right. the bonding is there to protect the actors. I did, I, did a, I did a television series here, a pilot, an abbreviated series where um, the producers ran out of money and before we even got it out of the can, and the bond ended up paying 75% of my wages. I didn't make everything, but I got 75%. So that was, that was one way to protect us, but I had been hired over a period of four weeks, right? and suddenly I wasn't getting paid. I got the first check, and the next one didn't show up, and then the next one didn't show up. And...
1: That's so Atlanta. It is.
2: Well, and we have to be aware that to think big, you got to kind of play big too. Um, But at the end of the day, we're trying to work out scenarios. Corporate films used to be my bread and butter in this market long before we had film incentive. And it was not unusual for me to work three days a week, a week doing corporate films or a live presentation for a corporation at a convention. And the scales, you know, I started out at 500 and got better and became a spokesman and a premium spokesman, and the rest sort of went on and on. Yes, a new generation is coming along; you can get them cheaper. But at the same time, my brother, who's also a producer, said he goes, "I got to cast a ten. I can't. I'd love to hire you. I can't because then I got to pay everybody." And I went, "Okay, what if I fix that? Would you hire me?" And he goes, "Yeah, I would." Because doesn't that
0: ultimately benefit? All SAG members. If it's the difference between you make a
2: project and a SAG member gets paid versus the rules well, in their well, current place. What's happened? Could, to, to be honest with production. you, the trend is is SAG actors are not working in corporate industrial films anymore.
1: They won't let us hire them. Yeah. They tell us this is a non a non union gig. You cannot. And hire we're aware anybody. of it. I mean, we
2: see the charts, we see the national figures, and I would like to say that SAG, after nationally, would be a little more proactive. But in the last national meeting, they looked at the numbers. Corporate industrial films make up 0.5% or less of their total grosses annually. So they they don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And so all the markets that... But that means
1: that they don't care about the workers, right? Because they're preventing preventing people from working.
2: What they did is they they became guilty of focusing on the high-end glitzy projects that pay the most money and where they have the most clout and the stars, you know, stars weigh in. You, It works. When Tom Hanks walks in and says, I want X, Y, Z, he kind of gets it. Yeah. And If he speaks on behalf of all us and said, this is fair, everyone goes, well, Tom Hanks said, yeah, it must be fair, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. That's that's how good he is. Um, but we, the union felt guilty of watching a percentage of its income go away and didn't react to it in time to save it. I'm sorry to say that, and I'm being real. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm being real. It's been 15, 20, 15 years easily since that market worked for me in any kind of genuine way. And so everyone goes, well, I'll just put my, my money over here. I'm going to go over here and do film and TV, or I'm going to go do commercials or voiceover, whatever it happens to be. And that's gone. It's gone. Right. But a lot happened between that. It wasn't just the union. We went through two major recessions. We, Two
1: recessions that you had. I mean, there were... nine eleven. Yeah, it was like everything happened.
2: Everything happened. And
1: yeah. technology got cheaper. Everybody, you know, mm-hmm. you could make things a lot cheaper, which drove down the budgets of almost every project. Mm-hmm. And the talent pools, everybody started to want to be an actor. Right. A- and, and you know, everybody was profiting off of it. You know, how many headshot scams have you seen? Oh, later?
2: a million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, bit, a million
1: the headshot scams are my favorite well the don't other don't fall for yeah and, and scams for the actors people. don't
2: fall for the agency that charges you for let me help you put together your portfolio right tell them to shove it sideways right right because that's not legit or why don't you take some of my acting? there's a there's a new agency on the south side that's going if you want to be in my agency you have to take our acting class if
1: you teach an acting class chances are i hate you
2: yeah well, the people because who, you
1: probably can't act What
2: well, the, the shit. Well, and the people who are charging for these, they don't care if you're an actor or not. And they go, this will help you get more work. These people couldn't act their way out of a bag. <laughs> right. You know, and you talk to other people, you know, you produce an emotion on the set for me. These people couldn't produce a fart in a bean eating contest. <laughs> you know, if, if they were driven to it and somebody said there's a hundred bucks in it if you'll fart on camera. And you, they can't do it.
1: Let me tell you about a, a real life situation that I had. So we were gonna do a movie. I'm not legally allowed to say the name, and um, with clothes or without? Yeah, Again, it was we, yeah, okay. it was very with clothes, and it was not. It was a million dollar film, and oh, I remember our discussion. Yes, this. yeah, we had a big discussion on it, and we talked about Ficor, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of discussion about Ficor, and one of the most famous uh, five uh, cases that's kind of out there was John Voight. Mm-hmm. So John Voight had a friend who wanted to put him in this movie and, um, SAG wouldn't let him do it. And so he took out an ad, I believe it was in variety or the Hollywood reporter talking about how he was going Ficor and he wasn't going to let the union, um, push him, him around, tell him what, tell to, him what to do. Um, what is Ficor? Why, why is it out there now in the sphere that this is something that can be used? And why are not more people doing it, especially actors? And is the is the union going to blackball you if you go FICOR?
2: Well, first of all, FICOR is a national rule. It's not a SAG rule. Right. Once again, in the atmosphere of helping or hurting unions is they didn't want, on a federal level, people to feel that they were trapped. And so they gave them a gateway out with a rule called financial core, shortened to FICOR, F-I-CORE. And um, the FICOR status, even in union-secure states like California, New York, and Illinois, allowed that person to work, still allowed them to work as a union person, but also do non-union work. In a right-to-work state, FICOR is, why would you, who cares? I mean, if you're a non-union person... And you join the union. Why are you backing down again? You know, you might as well just leave the union. It's only an issue in the union secure states. And um, will the will the union blackball you? Not necessarily. That's a tangential answer.
1: (laughs) The thing is, this. Why don't they like it? Well, why does it? First of
2: all, you become a fee paying non actor. You continue to pay fees and dues, but you're not a member of the organization. So essentially, you've you
1: get the benefits of you, the
2: union. In a union-secure state, you're allowed to continue to pay and receive benefits. There's some things you can't do, you can't vote, you can't participate in other exchanges of education and other tools that the union provides. But you are entitled in a union-secure state to still get your pension and health, if you qualify on an annual basis. Um, but you are not officially a member, so you have to take that off. You know, the, you know That's the big bruise to the face. For a guy like John Voigt, who's a star, Um, that doesn't seem to matter because he has a a reputation that pre-existed for people who just haven't made it and join the union in those states and want to step aside. They've chosen financial core with the presumption that, well, I'll come back to union someday, but the union has to be back to full status. It has to go before a review committee and those people aren't the friendliest. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Well, that's the blackballing. Well, that's the blackball to walk through the front door because essentially you, you pay your dues, but at a lower scale, you, know, scale. Right. you might be paying 80% or 75%. I don't know what the percentage is, but um, you're paying a little bit less so you don't get all the benefits. But you're trying to work side by side with your, your brother who is toting the, the cart, and you're going, I'm the same as you. And you go, well, actually, we're not.
1: You're paying 20% <clears> less.
2: You're paying less, and I'm paying more. Yeah, but I get to do the other things. But the non-union work does undermine the union work given the opportunity to pay less people will take that opportunity right the more, and more that's what's happened here in a right to work state that's more,
1: what's happened but see what what's interesting to me is that's what happens in every business mm-hmm. you know it used to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to make a video now it doesn't
2: now it costs 10
1: right you can make a really great corporate video for ten to fifteen thousand dollars and have it be a right. home run.
2: Yeah. You may not have the profit margin that you dreamed about, so you gotta have lots of those. How do you do it? Volume.
1: Volume. Yeah, it's all it's all volume and coming up with efficient systems and mm-hmm. figuring out new ways to
2: be creative. And then and, looking for ways to hit a home run.
1: But oh. so but so actors. Are because it's so hard for an actor to book a role, mm-hmm. right? You've got to walk in the room.
2: Harder you, now than ever.
1: You've got to be the exact person that the director or the casting director was thinking yeah, about. Don't in look head. like the
2: old boyfriend or girlfriend that dumped him at the altar. Have the same and the, name, he, and you go, "Oh God, that remin- reminds me of Ted, and I hated Ted." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really rough. But I, I feel like, you know, maybe it's just because acting is so special. You're, it's a, it's a, you're playing pretend, right? So people automatically think oh, it's fun, right? They're getting to do something really, and it is. It's
2: Good acting is work.
1: Right, it, it is, but I don't think, I'm talking about general people who are just getting into this business, they don't realize how, how hard it is to do well, mm-hmm. right? Some people are naturally great at pretending and can do a fabulous job without trying, but really good acting a lot of time takes thought and thinking preparation. And, and preparation and, and training and, and research.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I I had to do research for a role the other day just to audition. Yeah, and you But I showed up. But I showed up with the research, and they went, "Oh, you went online and studied this?" Went, yeah, I, just, I went online. It's online. How hard is that?
1: But they hate <laughs> handsome guys, so they were like, "Nope, you're out." Oh yeah, <laughs> you could be too handsome. You could be too ugly one well, day. I was, I was too- doing a
2: medical. I was doing a medical bit, and I couldn't get the pronunciation of a term, so I went onto the Mayo Clinic website to find out the pronunciation of this one disease. I'm the only one who showed up and knew how to pronounce the disease. And they went, where'd you get that? I said, "Mail clinic, online. <laughs> and they went, you researched it? I went, yeah. Hey, you, get, you could be a doctor. You could be a doctor.
1: <laughs> you do look yeah. like a doc. I cast you as a doctor. Yeah, as a <laughs> doctor.
2: And, that's what I, and I, got the, I got that role, <laughs> that's actually. That's
1: awesome. Um, Scott, did you have any questions about SAG-AFTRA?
0: Uh, no, not other than what I've you know, contributed. I guess on the the, the contract side, I guess you, you talked about some of these contracts that sag actors are going to have with the production facilities. Now, those typically... SAG-generated SAG generated. kind of generated non-negotiable contracts. that this is, you yeah. know, if you're hiring a SAG actor, these are the
2: terms. And, yeah. You know, well, these should, are the yeah. working conditions. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. and where's a good resu- resource for people to look at all of these contracts? Well, to be
2: honest with you, at um, um the public is allowed to preview all the contracts at no charge. There, There's the public side, and then there's the private side of the members, um, which is authorized through password and code and that sort of thing but but you can research directly online at sagafter.org and then you can get all the information there you can make
1: thoughtful decisions and i think the bottom line is you know if you want to do a major product with a major release with a major chance of distribution you're probably going to need sag and aftra
2: well you're going to at that level you're going to need stars and that means sag aftra
1: and you got to know the rules of the game mm-hmm. in order to play properly
2: Right. So if you don't know as a producer or young fledgling person who's who's moving up in the ladder is what you do is you hire a good uh, unit production manager or uh, first assistant director because their job is to know the rules. And
1: And the rules are important because remember, this is what's interesting is all those meal penalties, all of those overnights and no turnaround time, all of those fees add up and then Mm -hmm. you have those fees And then you get audited by your workers comp at the end of the show or at the end of the year. And then you have to pay fees on top of that. So having good preparation in your budgeting and good preparation on set and being prepared for the worst case scenario will help you get on track.
2: Well, and I don't care who you are. Eventually, I I hope everybody that's listening, I hope you hit one out of the park. When you hit one out of the park and you step up, you're going to move into that zone and you're going to have to know it because there's no avoiding it. There's no avoiding IATSE, the Teamsters, the DGA, Cinematographer 600, sag After. It's not just a sag after issue, but when you move up into that category, and generally those are budgets north of a million dollars, uh, you're going to find yourself in a different world.
1: Absolutely. And
2: so you have to prepare for that, but that's okay. That's part of growing up. I always laugh at people who tell me that they're SAG-eligible or AFTRA-eligible, And they go, I'm as good as you, I'm just not going to join. And I said, you know what? I used to play baseball in college and I was drafted and I always wanted to be an Atlanta Brave. So I guess I'm Braves eligible. I should put that (laughs) on my contract. Now the Braves don't give a rat's ass about that at all because I'm not an Atlanta Brave. Right. You know, there's everybody pretending to be here. Well, eventually if you're successful, you will be there. Right, right. And then what's your excuse for not participating? There is no excuse. Let me tell You'll you
1: participate because that's where the money is. Well,
2: I have, to, I have to work at a higher level. You yeah. have to understand. You would love for me to work for $100 a day. Of frankly. course. I can, <laughs> but frankly, I can't and do a living. Right. You know, I own a home and drive cars and sent kids to college. and My daughter got married. Now I'm a grandfather and all these other things. My wife fought cancer and got through it with the SAG insurance. You think I could have done any of that without working at those higher scales? It's not possible. That's why 36 years later, I'm still here. And most of, my, most of my contemporaries are gone yeah. because they couldn't make the money. Right. And they go, but you know what? If I'd wanted to, I would have. If I joined, yeah, I could have joined the union, but I didn't. And I go, but I'm still here, and you're not. And I have two pensions. I've served two terms in the Army. You know, That's what's comparable to Yeah. It. And I have a pension, and I have health, and I'm, in, I'm approaching 60 years old and you start to really think about that stuff when you get older, and you start having a family and trying to take care of them, frankly, non-union environment is not going to help you do that unless you're just a unique, enterprising individual. And I'm not going to say that there aren't people like that. There are people who make a go of it. There are actors who know how to put money aside for their pension and their own health. Obamacare helps to a certain extent and then not to a certain extent. Um, there are a lot of different options on the table, and you've got to be a good business person. Now ask yourself, why do actors have agents? Because they're not good business people. Why do actors need lawyers? Because we're not normally good business people. Yeah. That's the truth. And the point is, is it's great when you're in your 20s, you don't have a family, and maybe into your 30s, you know, I was almost there, I almost, man, and you're like, the reality is, is I'm getting older and I'm getting nowhere.
1: And the reality is, is that if you want to be an actor long term, you've got to have a plan.
2: Mhm. It's and I'll tell you what, even as long as I've been doing it, I find other ways to make money too. So I take the desperation factor out of it. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I'm a producer. I sell tax credits. And I do that all on a part-time basis. Now, did those other things overtake my acting if I let them, they could, but I'm an actor. At the end of the day, I'm an actor and I'll be an actor until I die but I'm not going to go backwards and I'm not going to work for crap because generally when I work on the low budget stuff, not all, but generally it doesn't rise to the level that I can use it for anything. So it becomes a job about money. Well, I didn't make money. I can't use it as a demo. I'm not, pl- I have these little things like I uh, trick off when I consider a role, no matter what the money. A, am I a lead? B, what's the money? C, is there enough of a role here where I can get a demo out of it? And can they deliver the demo? Because maybe nobody ever sees the motion picture, but do I have a scene in there that I need that can sell me for something else? If I don't get one or two of those three things in a project, I walk away. Even from a role where I was the fourth lead. Oh boy, it's going on the internet. I can't wait. Can't <laughs> the wait. The internet? The internet. Oh man. No, it's a worldwide interweb.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna be a flip flopper. I came in thinking that um, I would still really dislike unions. Um and I think the producer side of me has been pushed aside because everything that you're saying makes sense. You guys got to make a living. You've got to be able to survive and feed your families. Well, it's only a, fair.
2: Well, there are productions that you will turn down from certain clients because you can't make a profit for this company. And how many employees do you have? A lot. All right, <laughs> and and you care about those people. Yeah, and and if you don't make X, you're right. They don't work. And now I got to lay off somebody who just had a kid.
1: We turn down projects all the time because they're going to be cost more than they're
2: worth. And and it's the same thing for the actor, but a certain synergy has to happen in the, this new evolution of time. Better for the young people to work in the new media and the low-budget stuff. And you can steal a good actor. If you want to steal a good actor, give them a role that they would not normally play. What do I play normally? Leading guys, doctors, attorneys, government officials. When am I the bad guy? When am I? When am I and, who's, and who's scarier? And I always ask this. Who's the scariest actor? Ted Bundy, who is a serial killer, who is a handsome man. Articulate and educated or a guy who looks like Richard Speck and was you know a guy who would eat you and (laughs) Dismember you and throw you in the fridge. You could see Richard Speck coming who's the worst guy, right? The guy I don't see or the guy I do see coming conventionally people always cast bad people who look bad The guy who doesn't look bad is the scariest one to me and I'm never given those roles
1: One more thing before we go and this is something we talked about um, Probably about a year ago We talked about, you know, long-term, a scale solution for all of SAG-AFTRA. Like, um, I I believe we were talking about a movie where you were gonna get the same amount of money with, I think it was like $500 a day, and you had 25 lines, and then there was this kid, never acted in anything before, and he was gonna come in and make $500 for one line. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about that? Because that, I mean, that seems like it makes sense. Are you still? Are you still thinking about that? Was that you? I had that conversation. Yeah, with? you had
2: a conversation with me. I was actually offered a role with a Samuel Jackson film called Barely Lethal. It was a big role. I mean, it's a it big sounds s- sexy. It, it's not. I mean, it <laughs> had the gal from True Grit. Um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. No, no, no. True Grit. Uh, she was 14 at the time. She's probably all of 18 now. She was nominated for an Oscar. I can't think of her name. Uh, but she was one of the sub leads, and it was a high school thing where she was grew up in a secret agent type family right. and was taught to kill at a young age and wanted to just be a high school girl and runs away and enters high school in the South. Right. And they find her and she's lethal. She can kill. Right. She's trained to kill and she doesn't want to. So anyway, she ends up falling in love with the, this guy in high school and it's my, it would have been my son. And it's a $10 million film and here's Samuel L. Jackson and all these other people. Um, ha- Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld, was the girl. And it was like, wow. Well, and they came in, came in, I auditioned. They said, now, we want this guy to be funny. And I have a comedy background like Second City and with, with a group not of the same name. But it's pretty easy for me to improv and, and do funny stuff. And they love it. they're fun. It's rare that you can do an audition. People are falling over laughing. Right. They can't wait to hire you. And they said, and for you, scale plus 10, which is the minimum. And I went, what? Will you live here. And I went, what? This is this is one of the sub leads. You're paying him three million bucks. I mean, come on, guys, pay me a little bit over scale. It's Just as a respectful bump, you know. And scale, once again to round it off is nine hundred dollars a day. I was going to make nine hundred bucks a day. And then they were going to hire this girl who had never acted before, had been an extra, and she was going to play a cheerleader. And she had a sentence. She too would be making nine hundred dollars a day. I'm going, dude, what gives? Well. We're going to move to our second choice. Where's your second choice? Los Angeles. I said, you're going to tell me that a Los Angeles actor is going to come here to Atlanta. It's going to work for $900 a day. He goes, and he'll be a local. Oh, so he's going to fly here and take that expense and put himself up for a week or two. He'll lose money. He can't make money doing that. Well, I said, take your second choice.
1: You know, what's interesting about that is that there is such a supply of actors, whether or not, you know, I'm not saying they're qualified or not, but we do as producers, we have endless amounts of choices and if one doesn't work out and they don't suit our needs or we smell a scent of difficulty, we step away immediately because it's like, it's more of a pain in the ass. I'm not saying it's the right thing, but that's what happens. Oh sure. But I think having it where it was like, if, if she, if I could pay her, you know, 250 a day didn't have to pay her 900 It's her first day. She's got one line. That would enable me to give you that bump without having to go back and reconfigure all my budgets.
2: Well, in the larger budget scheme for films and television, that probably won't happen. The minimum is supposed to be for that girl who yeah. says one line. And I'm supposed to get slightly overscale at least because of my experience right. and, and who I'm playing. And they just didn't want to play that game. I don't think that will change for film and television in the near future. It may change new media, and that's where we're headed. But isn't
1: everything going to be new media eventually? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, the TV's going away. Sure. I mean, half the people in my office got rid of cable.
2: My son doesn't have a television. He doesn't have a television. He has a computer. Right. He streams. You know, and he's 25. Right. Who needs it? He he doesn't. He doesn't care. He's got his iPhone or you know whatever his phone is right not trying to sell apple here over anybody else <laughs> particularly after their announcements this last week outfield I'll illegal the yeah, their bend their new bendable phones <laughs> but um yeah no it's totally changed and the new media thing will be restructured in the meantime in the interim at least you got a new media zone to play in which is really under 1.2 million dollars that's your range yeah. so that's the wild west the corporate way we're trying to rectify that situation um voiceover, union versus non-union, Until unless it's into commercials where there's a residual table, it's a one-off, you're in, you're out. You you make the determination based on your budget what you can afford. Right. Yeah. If you need a premium talent, and the premium talent is your front door, and this is where I think the actor's value eventually is, is if I'm in a corporate a corporate film or a commercial, and I represent your company, who's, the, who's your front door? Who do you want your front door to be? You want it to be a guy who can't do it or a guy who can do it? Right, he costs a little bit more, but it's the front door. Right, you just told me about fixing up my website for the tax credit company, so you could have the perception of yeah. more.
1: Yeah, yeah, you want to. You want Perception is reality,
2: and that's right. So it's the same thing when it comes to talent, yeah. and you can only substitute that up to a point.
1: Yeah, if you hear Alec Baldwin's voice at the beginning of a commercial, you automatically think, "Oh, this brand is legit."
2: Right, or Donald Sutherland. Right, yep. He's doing Delta now and everything else under the sun.
1: Yep, or uh, what's the guy, Darth Vader, what's his name? Uh, James
2: Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, Jones. yeah. It
1: automatically adds... Something. It means something. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, this is Rick Wrights, SAG AFTRA, Atlanta president. And Rick, you also have a film tax credit, your tax credit broker. Mm-hmm. How can people get a hold of you to broker their tax credits?
2: Uh, they can go to the website at G-A-E-N-T credits with an S, plural, GAENTCredits.com. Uh, you can write to me individually as just Rick, R I C, at GAENTCredits.com.
1: And uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Scott, if people need your excellent legal services at an amazing value, <laughs> how can they get a hold of you?
0: Otherwise described as the black hole, but yes, um, <laughs> it's thepattersonfirm.com. That's T H E, PattersonFirm.com. And then my email is Scott at thepattersonfirm.com. And you can feel free to call as well at 770 422 8840.
1: Thank you for listening to the Naked Unicorn Podcast. I'm Jason Sorotin with ECG Productions. Please visit our blog at ecgprod.com, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> Ow! Oh, I'm so naked. <laughs>